One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Hi, my name is Grigor Dimitrov, and you're listening to Tennis Podcast. Hi, I'm Mats Villander, and you are listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello, and welcome to the Tennis Podcast. It is the morning after the men's singles final. A brutal couple of first two sets they were, but it ended up in relative disappointment I think for many of the crowd didn't it it was a a four set victory in the end for Novak Djokovic I personally will try to hold on to the memory of those first two sets which lasted two and a half hours long and I think they were a bit too much for Catherine Whittaker because she's not responding to my calls at the moment I don't think she can handle it I think maybe it's a couple of the predictions that she did that you know she's thinking I don't really want to own up to those so what I've done is I've, I've gone and decided to speak to our Five Live team member, Gigi Salmon, who was there at the very beginning of the tournament. And Gigi, you're here now. I certainly am, but maybe I shouldn't be because my predictions weren't that good. Although, can I take Djokovic? Because I did do a head and a heart. I went heart, Federer, head, Djokovic. So can I vaguely, slightly claim that one? Yes, you can claim that one. And you can also hold on to your uh, Camilla Giorgi uh, wonder prediction early on. What was that again? Well, she went a couple of rounds. She beat Flavia Panetta. That was my surprise package. She beat Flavia Panetta. She got through the next round and then she was a set and a breakup on Venus Williams. It wasn't meant to be and the Venus Williams story was wonderful. So, okay, I'll take sort of a, a half a correct point for Georgie as well. And the less we say about Simona Hallett, the better. And Rafa Nadal losing in the first round, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, it's only a bit of fun, isn't it? Now, we were covering the match, obviously, last night on BBC Radio 5 Live. We'll also just cover the the, the tournament as a whole. We've got some questions from our listeners. We've got some highlights of the tournament from our listeners. So we'll ask Shiji what she uh, regards as, as one or two of her highlights as well. But the match itself last night... The first two sets, Gigi, you were presenting our coverage on Five Live. Russell Fuller and myself were commentating alongside Pat Cash. But those first two sets were as brutal in terms of the exchanges and the length of those sets. An hour and 12 or an hour and 16 for the first one, an hour and 20 for the second one. So two and a half hours for two sets. That was as physically draining as I think I've ever seen tennis players on a court. Engrossing, enthralling, it's what we wanted. I think partially it's what we expected because we felt level-wise they were nearing the same because Djokovic hadn't been at his best level. Andy Murray physically, we better stress the physical point of view, was in a very good place and looked so good coming through this tournament and he was very relaxed off court. So those first two sets were incredible. There was four breaks of serve in the first set, four breaks of serve in the second set. It was Some of those rallies were absolutely incredible. The movement, the balls, the depth, the striking, the get, 
everything about it. We were looking at this thinking, are we going to get a new record here? Are we going to go over six hours for this match? Because those first two sets, there was very little to choose between them. And then sadly, it changed. It did. And, and what happened, it was so strange, wasn't it? Because it went one set all. Then Murray went two love ahead in the third set. Djokovic looked physically suffering out there at the time. And that caused a lot of debate, actually, in the press room as to as to how bad is he feeling. Andy Murray was, was um, making noises, even on the court, saying... You know what? What's wrong with him? What's, he does this all the time. It was that kind of thing when Djokovic then started to run around and play well. My reading of it, I, I'm interested to see what you think. My reading of it is that human beings, when they're under physical and mental stress, are sometimes going to show that, and it doesn't mean that they can't recover from it. Now, some people might think I'm giving Djokovic a bit of a free pass there because. Players like Bjorn Borg and Federer and, and Nadal are able to swallow disappointment, swallow stress, swallow physical uh, distress. But I don't think that that is necessarily normal. I think that that makes them superhuman or even better champions than, than everybody else. But I personally don't have a problem with Djokovic showing some ill effects from what was going on out there. I just I don't see the problem. It showed he was human for a start. Secondly, he hadn't been well coming into this tournament. And again, I'm not going to give Djokovic a free pass, but I don't get it from Andy Murray's point of view because he's not the quietest person on court. It's not like he doesn't talk to himself, throw things around. Sometimes he's injured. There are problems going on with him. You know what's going to happen the other side of the net and you ignore it. It doesn't matter whether Djokovic is limping and then he's playing. You know what Djokovic is capable of. We know what Djokovic is capable of. Therefore, Andy Murray has to know that that might happen. The Intensity they're putting him. There were times when Andy Murray could hardly walk and he was yelling and he was screaming. And one shot, he ended the same baseline as Novak Djokovic. There was so much going on in that match. And for afterwards, Andy Murray, and he was asked, so he was answering a question, was he distracted? And he said, yes, I wasn't sure. Was he as bad as he was? That doesn't matter. That can't matter. It's Novak Djokovic. You know what he's capable of. And as soon as he spots a weakness, he will pounce and he will destroy you. And that's what he ultimately did because for some reason, Andy Murray. Murray mentally was so distracted and lost so much focus that he just melted away in the latter part of the third set, then right through the fourth. And the bottom line is, Andy Murray knows that. He came into the press conference afterwards, and that was the main source of his disappointment with the way things had gone, were that he felt he could have done a better job of dealing with that situation when he went to love up and Djokovic was, was apparently suffering out there. That was a moment when Murray maybe could have pounced, or certainly when Djokovic came again, stayed with him, and he was unable to stay with him. And that's something he's going to have to look at, because you could see in the press conference, everyone in a very different way, because we have the press, and then there's separate radio interviews and separate television interviews. And I was listening to them all because I was on the general feed, and they were all asking it, but slightly differently. Oh, you started so well. Oh, what happened in the third? Oh, you were a break-up. And they were trying to put it differently, and each time he came back and said, I'm not sure... Yes, I didn't think he was as injured as he was, but I don't know. I will have to look at it. I will have to go away. I need to take... The stuff he was saying, I need to take some time away now. I need to be with my dogs and my family. I need to not go anywhere near tennis. I haven't thought about a coach because Amelie Mresmo won't travel in February. She has Fed Cup duties. He doesn't know what went on out there. It looked that mentally he crumbled. Physically, there wasn't a problem. The guy was moving. The guy was fine. But mentally, it just wasn't there. And I think that's the hardest thing as a human being to sit down, neither 
either admit that there is a weakness mentally that he needs to address or to try and figure out why that happened because he's known Novak Djokovic since he was 11. He knows exactly what he's going to get. It's not exactly a surprise and he's been in Grand Slam finals before so I'm sure we're all scratching our heads wondering how that could have happened. So imagine what it's like for Andy Murray sitting there. He's now got a very long flight home thinking how did that happen and how can I make sure that doesn't happen again? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I feel actually quite encouraged by the fact that he was so clear that, that, that there was a, something that does need to be looked at, that he didn't deal with the situation as well as he wanted to. And I think the, the important thing is now that he actually has a number of months until the next one of these tournaments, uh, the French Open. So there's time to look at it, and he's going to need to. Um, I also think, just as a final note on that, we shouldn't underestimate just how much stress these people are under in the, in the moment, on the court, when they're trying so hard, they're putting so much physical effort in, they're getting stretched to the limit psychologically, emotionally. I don't think it's that surprising if somebody isn't able to necessarily keep up mentally with Novak Djokovic, for goodness sake. The man is a, is a monster of a player. And I'm not saying that Andy Murray should not go away and try to do something about it. I think he should for, in, if he wants to better his career even further. But... It's very, very easy for, for us, I think. There are, I think there are better people qualified than us, certainly people who've been in that position themselves, former players. But I do always want to just remember that I have no idea what it's like. No, absolutely. How can you put yourself in that situation? Added to the fact that he'd been in the Australian Open final time and time and again, he had three Australian Open finals. He'd come away with nothing. This was a fourth. So despite saying he was very relaxed, the pressure that brings, there'd been all the pressure on everyone looking at his coaching team with, with Amelie Moresmo. Is it going to work? And, and how's it going to work? And is he back? And is he going to get back there? And then facing someone like Novak Djokovic, who's now a five-time winner in Australia and is someone very difficult to beat. And Andy Murray ahead of the match I know what to expect it's going to be physically and mentally tough and I'm going to be have to be at my best but when you're out there and everything's there yes he said he was the underdog Andy Murray because he was 15-8 down on the head-to-head before the match but still there was the expectation of you can't be in four Australian Open finals and not come away with it and a lot of people were saying this is his best ever chance I mean the mind it's a fragile thing we don't know what individual people go through and I'm sure it's very tough out there but on the flip side of that if he wants to be the best if he wants to compete Djokovic, Federer, Nadal that's an area he does have to strengthen because those guys are not going to go away. You've got the Nishikuris, the Dimitrovs around, which is coming up behind him. And that cannot be something that stops him achieving what he wants to achieve. Very fair points, I would suggest. Now, a few questions that came in. Some of them have already been answered by us. Shepmeister uh, says, why do you think Murray disappeared so quickly in sets three and four? He looked tired physically and mentally. I think we've, we've addressed that. Uh, Laura Isabella says, do you think he, Murray failed to take advantage of opportunities or did Djokovic not allow him to? I think that that is a big part of it. Murray did make the point that Djokovic did start to play some unbelievable tennis later on. <laughs> some of that tennis was absolutely incredible. And he said, look, everyone... In that fourth set, he stepped it up to another level. And you know that's what Novak Djokovic can do. He doesn't. Their games are so similar, which was what was very intriguing. We know Djokovic doesn't really like coming forward that much. But he started hitting those lines incredibly. And you could see the look of disbelief on Andy Murray's face, thinking, where on earth is this kind of stuff coming from? He's a wall. It's very hard to get past Novak Djokovic. He gets to absolutely everything. And he frustrates the life out of you. 
<laughs> sure does. Uh, now, uh, what uh, what do we got here? Oh yeah, Henry Howard Fun. What a great name that is. Says, will Federer or Nadal ever win another Grand Slam? Uh, yes. I would say Nadal definitely. It won't be, I don't think we'll see another one at Wimbledon for Nadal. I think the knees, I don't think it's possible. I think he will try and avoid that as much as possible because there's no bounce and it really does cause him a lot of pain. But Nadal, absolutely. Roger Federer is the slightly tricky one. I think he is capable. We thought he had a really good chance in Melbourne and then it just didn't work. But everything seems to be good. He's managing his schedule. There's always still a chance for him at Wimbledon. Roland Garros is the one you think, well, Nadal is still the man to beat at that tournament despite the fact Djokovic thinking that's the one I need and that's the one I'm going to get will they uh, I would say a general yes and I would say definitely for Nadal what about you? I, I think I'd agree and actually I've been saying for a while that I think Federer would win one, one more I think Wimbledon is likely to be his best well it's his best chance and it's possibly his only chance now I, I, I don't completely rule him out of course how can you rule out arguably the greatest player of all time but he is 33 every slam that goes by is another one closer to his retirement I don't want to sound too down in the dumps about that but it's a fact um, and I just think that over the best of five it's so hard to keep up that level and and outlast these guys particularly Djokovic and also Murray as well when we get to, to Wimbledon although many people might say well look at the record he's got against Murray but I, I'm not as sure now about the 18th as I was. I really did think it was going to happen, and I'm not as convinced now. We will see. A uh, couple more questions here. Emerald says, uh, is it just me, or was, was week two disappointing? I don't think so. Do you? I don't think so. I mean, we were lucky enough to be here. So every day we're sat in the Rod Laver arena, we're wandering around the grounds and seeing this. I know what she means in terms of a few people. There were a few days when we scratched our heads and thought, right, okay, that's that then. And, and nothing really seemed to happen. There seemed to be a few, not boring, I think straightforward days when things happened that were meant to happen in a very ordinary fashion. So in that sense, maybe there were a few of those days and maybe not so many stories that we're looking back on. But uh, I, I think there was some cracking tests. But I, I, I think I think I know I know where they're coming from. And there were a couple of days and you thought, oh, right then. So everything just, just happened. But remember, because you know, in the first week, I think the difference was we had 11 female seeds go in the first two days. We had Roger Federer disappear. We had that cracker with Nadal. So the bar was set quite high. Then you get into the second week and you're expecting it to happen again. But by then, things tend to level out anyway. So I think it was just a case that the first week, there was so many crazy things going on. It made the second week look normal. Yes, that's a very fair point. Two more questions before we get on to our highlights. Uh, we have uh, Collins, who says... How does Djokovic win five of these, yet he's only won one US Open? I think that's a very that's a very good question in terms of... I think it's the time of year it comes at as well. Djokovic tends to start the year very well. He has a very strong off-season. He likes the courts here in Australia. They play slightly differently to the US Open. He likes everything about it. And sometimes players just get a feel for a tournament and they say, well, I like it here and everything works. And then you get to the back end of the end. You've got to think US Open. Some of them are tired. Some of them are carrying injuries. It's a very different stage. And other players have got momentum swinging through the seasons. They get to the US Open and think, now is my time. You've got to hit the ground running at the beginning of the year and, and for me I just feel that's something that Djokovic does really well. 
I think so as well. I think he's perfected the off-season, uh, Novak Djokovic. I remember a few years ago at the O2, he looked like he was running on fumes and he said he was off to the Maldives. And I thought, oh, dear, that sounds good. <laughs> Can I come? Uh, but uh, no, he didn't want me to come. So, But the, the fact is, uh, I think he put so much effort into trying to win the French Open particularly. And then he backs that up with trying to win Wimbledon. There's only so much left in the tank when he gets to New York. Uh, now, uh, we mentioned it there, the French Open. And what the Jew says, can you see Djokovic following his victory up with t the title at the French Open in the summer? Gigi Salmon, on the record, go. Nadal's the one to beat. I mean, I need to see a little bit more of Nadal, not just what I've seen in Australia, because he's still coming back. He'll now go on the South American clay court swing. He'll do really well down there. But I think I need to see a bit more. Nadal is still the person to beat going into Roland Garros. He owns Philippe Chatrier. He owns that stadium. He owns that court. He plays so well out there. But for Djokovic now, you feel that everything sorry, is being channeled in to winning at Roland Garros. That's the one missing. That's the one he wants. I think he's in fabulous form. I think his confidence is high. He's got his team around him. He's married now. He's got a little son, Stefan. Everything has fallen into place. He's got a great chance, but Nadal is still surely the one to beat. I think Djokovic will win the French Open before he retires. I think he will win one of the next three years. Yes, I absolutely agree with you. I think it's all channeled into that for him he does play well on clay he's been annoyed by everyone's been annoyed by Nadal at Roland Garros but I think I think you're right I think he'll definitely win one whether it's going to be this year because I still think Nadal he comes back when he comes back from being out he wants to prove something and that's where he proves it and everything goes into that I think he'll definitely win one I'm not sure if it's definitely gonna be this year no uh, a fair point uh, finally here Andy M says David did you ever get your photo with Dora the Explorer you didn't, did you? Did you? No, I didn't. I didn't, and I'm re I'm really gutted, but really you, gutted. But you have a SpongeBob SquarePants person, and you have lots of turtles, so you've done quite well in terms of characters. And you have to have something to build for for future years, don't you? You do, but I think your children—they're going to be very disappointed because wasn't Dora the pinnacle? I mean, even more than people like One Direction these days. But for your children, it's all about Dora the Explorer. Yeah, basically SpongeBob and the Mutant Ninja Turtles—that was like basically winning Barcelona. Whereas Dora would have been Wimbledon. No offence, Barcelona. No, that's disappointing to go back to your family and to say that you didn't get Dora. I mean, have you prepared that? Have you told them? Have you let them down? I've got a 24-hour flight to, you know, think my way through that one. <laughs> now, highlights of the tournament. Uh, Shepmeister, who was giving us a question earlier, says the emergence of Madison Keys was one of my highlights. The resurgence of Andy Murray and the rise of the Aussie Young Guns 2015 looks really promising. Glennis says Andy's tournament in general. Great to have him back where he belongs. John McEnroe, spelt M-C-I-N- R-O-E, don't think it's the real one, says uh, Andy's performance against Dimitrov was my highlight. And um, another one here saying that Andy's speech after his semi-final win and the second set between Serena and Maria, that will live in my memory, definitely. I think that's rounded up all the highlights. I think it's wonderful to see Murray playing at the standard and the level he's at now, apart from the last set and a half of the final. Madison Key's coming through. She's shown she's going to be here and she's going to stay here. I've also liked the fact that the Raonic and Nishikuris are backing things up and they're getting to latter stages. They're not just drifting away and they're saying, look, we're here, we're going to build on this and we're going to stay. And I think for me, one of the big highlights, it was that final between Serena Williams and Maria Sharapova because we were all predicting sort of two and three score lines and there were some great tennis, especially 
especially that second set. And I love Serena Williams' speech. I think that's the longest speech she's given. And she said, I started with a, a racket, a ball, and a hope. And I think she spoke really, really well. I think Maria Sharapova was very graceful in her defeat to Serena Williams. It's a, it's a good rivalry and not so good in terms of the head-to-head. -head. But I think what everyone said there in terms of the highlights, I think if you stick all that together with the Aussies as well, I think there's some pretty good highlights there. There are indeed, and it all shapes up for a wonderful 2015. My highlights, all of those that Gigi's just mentioned, all the ones that you've sent in on Twitter, but also my highlights were being able to be part of a team with Gigi Salmon, Russell Fuller, Steve Jones on BBC Radio 5 Live. Absolute privilege and pleasure to work alongside all of them. Also, a great thanks to everybody who's appeared on the Tennis Podcast over the last two weeks. Gigi, Catherine, of course, she'll be back. I don't know where she is. She's let me down today, but she'll be back. She hasn't really let me down. Uh, and, of course, we've had Chris Fowler, Chris Clary, Leon Smith, Barry Flatman, everybody, even Goran Ivanisevic on the Tennis Podcast over the last two weeks. And thanks most of all for you for listening, and we'll speak to you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.